This is Weather Jazz. Here's your host, Andre Bernier. Hey everybody, this is episode number 105 for Monday, April 13, 2020. And uh, we've got uh, two topics that we're going to study a little bit today. The first, of course, is going to be something that's on everybody's mind right now, the wind, because it's a windy day. We're on the backside of low pressure, and the colder air started moving in early this afternoon here in northeast Ohio. Uh, But uh, wind is uh, certainly one of those things which is very prevalent Right now, across a good chunk of the country, from Minnesota all the way to the northeast. In fact, I just fielded an observation from Blue Hill Observatory uh, up on Blue Hill, which is uh, one of the higher elevation points just to the west of Boston, Massachusetts. And they had a wind gust of 87 miles an hour now. The wind gusts overall uh, a little bit lower uh, than initially thought they would be with a deep low pressure system intensifying right now north of Toronto, Canada. But that's okay because that means that there'll be fewer power outages as opposed to many more. But uh, I do want to talk to you a little bit about peak winds in March and April. You see March and April. Those are the months in which you see a lot of um, uh, signs for kite flying and a lot of promotions as being the windy month. And there is a little bit of truth to that because typically we are starting to see the warming conditions in the southern part of the United States while the northern part of the U.S. is still pretty cold. And the combination can frequently produce some rather large and vigorous low-pressure systems, like the one that's going through right now in the Toronto, Canada area, and that one's slowly lifting northeast. Uh, But uh, we've had a lot of months uh, in which the peak wind is uh, somewhat notable. I thought it would be an interesting exercise to actually dig into the archive. And to look at the last five years or so and see what the peak wind was at Cleveland Hopkins Airport uh, for the month of March and for the month of April, beginning in 2016. Now, let's just take a look at the month of March. March is uh, very often dubbed the windy month. And so in 2016, the highest wind recorded at Hopkins, 50, 50 miles an hour. 2017, I remember this year because we hit 61 miles per hour, not once, but twice. Once on March 1st, 2017, and then again on March 8th, 2017. And I believe it was the March 8th account that uh, a lot of people went without power. We went without power for about three days at our house, and some places uh, had no power for almost a week. And in 2018, peak wind for the month of March, 48 miles an hour. 2019, 48 miles an hour. And so far in 2020, 53. I don't think we're going to best that today. That was earlier uh, in the month of March. Now let's advance to April. Let's see what we had in the month of April. 2016, 45 miles an hour. 2017, 47. 
2018, 53 miles per hour. And that's the strongest wind gust in the month of April in the last five years. 2019, 48, still very notable. And in 2020 so far, also uh, same deal, 51 miles an hour. That's not from today. I don't think we're going to best that today. Most of the wind gusts have been under 45 miles per hour thus far. And a lot of them this evening are in the 30 to 40 mile per hour range. So there you have a little story behind the wind. It's not all that uncommon to see wind speeds, at least one or two of those days in March and in April, go well over 40 miles an hour and even push 50. And we saw the one instance of actually two, if you want to count uh, the, the two days in March 2017, that went to 61 miles per hour. Uh, and that leads me to this question from a gentleman who sent me a question uh, back on March the 25th. Again, a windy month. Uh, his name is Frank Crummer. And uh, Frank has been waiting to ask this question for quite some time. And he says the following. I'm 60 years old, but, it, uh, but I've often wondered uh, since I was a young boy why the wind blows and whistles in the winter, but not in the summertime. Could it have to do with cold air dense compared to warm air? And because we're talking about wind today... I thought it would take time to answer his question. I uh, let Frank know that there is an answer to his question. And I, too, have noticed that even uh, when I was a young boy. In fact, I'll tell you a quick little story. When I was uh, a, a young man in southern New England, we used to get a lot of winter storms uh, off the coast of Cape Cod. And the winds would gust up 40, 50 miles an hour, sometimes 60 but when you went outside, and, and it, whether it was rain or snow, it didn't matter. There was a certain sound to the wind, and the wind did whistle a little bit. It was a whistling undertone. It's not like somebody whistling uh, a tune, but there was uh, a white noise with a whistle uh, bass to it, if you want to call it that. Yet in the summertime, whenever we had strong winds, and typically that would be from thunderstorms, outflow from thunderstorms, uh, or hurricanes, because we had uh, hurricanes on the uh, East Coast, whenever you heard those in the summertime or in September, it was more of a white noise, and there was no whistling to it. And here is the distinct difference between that, winter and summer. And you're probably already guessing it. The, the answer is the fact that in the summertime, all of the trees have leaves out uh, on them. And because of the larger targets, whenever a very strong wind blows through these trees, you are going to hear um, more of a white noise. As opposed to the wintertime where all those trees are bare. And just, just think, you've got these little branches that stick out. They're, it's a very small target, and the wind blows right through them a lot easier. And when it does, because it is a, a thin branch, it almost acts like the reed of a wind instrument. And uh, so... Whenever you have the winds just right going through these very 
uh, very, very delicate branches, you do get a very, uh, a, a bit of a whistle, if you will. And so the next time you have a wind before the leaves really start to come out, like today, you might want to listen. You might hear the wind kind of whistling as opposed to the stronger winds in the summertime, especially during the uh, gust front of a thunderstorm, for instance, where you have wind gusts 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. Um, And uh, that's, by the way, the same reason why there is greater damage in the summertime from a 60-mile-an-hour wind as opposed to the wintertime from a 60-mile-per-hour wind. That's because you've got leaves. The leaves catch the wind a whole lot easier, and it's like a sail. So the, 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 the trees bend and can snap branches a lot uh, easier in the summertime as opposed to the winter. Great question, and I'd let Frank know that it was a great question, and I also let him know that I would be answering the question on a future edition of Weather Jazz In. So uh, here it is. I have one more topic that I'm going to breach with you today, and it is uh, a topic based on what day it is tomorrow. Now, it's the day before tax day, but of course this year tax day has been uh, postponed uh, until I think it's June uh, or July 15th. I think it's July 15th this year. So my my general rule of thumb is you can put your snow shovels away on tax day, but uh, this year it occurs on July 15th. I think you can put them away a little bit faster than that. Uh, But um, tomorrow, the day before tax day, is a special day. A wonderful friend of mine whom I've gotten to know in the last couple of years, his name is Jack Borden. He used to be a reporter at WBZ TV Channel 4 in Boston, and I remember watching him as a a young fellow um, in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And I still remember to this day the, the day that he ran a story and had people shade their eyes and had them try to describe the sky on that day. And invariably, nobody could do it. And it uh, it really opened up his eyes, pun intended, to the sky and how few people realize the beauty of it. And if they just took the time to look up at the sky, that a, a whole world would open up. So... Tomorrow, Tuesday, April the 14th, is National Look Up at the Sky Day. And really, it should be 365 days, and Jack would agree with me that it should be. But at least there's one day that specifically is set aside to to hopefully set a new example or set a new habit, and that habit would be simply to look up at the sky, because the sky is absolutely amazing. If more people took the time to look up at the sky, I think that there would be fewer problems in the world. I think that there would be fewer people with depression, fewer people that were unhappy or maybe wrapped up in their own little world. Uh, because the sky just kind of opens up your mind to the beauty of, of truly creation and what's around you. So in honor of that, what I have done, I've gone through some of my photos in the last six or so months that I've taken or that I have collected, 
and I posted them on weatherjazz.com in episode number 105. And as I talk about them, uh, you can go to the website if you'd like and scroll down, uh, and I'll talk about the photos. Or you can later on, if you're not at a computer right now, if you're listening to this via a podcast, I would ask you to then go to weatherjazz.com, go to episode number 105. It's called Wind and Sky, and I'm going to talk about these six photos that I've posted. The first photo is or was taken, it it looks like a drone photo. It comes from a friend of mine who lives in Tampa. He's a television meteorologist down in Tampa, Florida, the Fox affiliate. And it's of a uh, sunset uh, down in the Tampa area. Truly amazing, uh, especially when you can uh, get a drone uh, even 10, 20 feet off the ground. It uh, gives you much greater visibility when looking at a sky shot. Truly amazing color at sunrise and sunset. Next one is a sunrise, and that one was taken at my house looking east-southeast, and you'll see not only beautiful colors, but also some interesting clouds. Clouds are fascinating. Uh, They are essentially water vapor in the air, Uh, and if you, you get them in a configuration uh, that uh, would mix with blue sky. And in this case, that's what we're seeing in image number two. It can really be a stunning photo. Uh, The the sunrise colors or the the rising sun uh, was able to sneak underneath the cloud deck and illuminate some of it pink and peach and uh, purple majesty along with the blue sky, along with some alto cumulus clouds. Alto meaning higher than cumulus clouds, but it's a cumulus type up around ten or 12,000 feet. And to me, those are probably the most interesting uh, kind of clouds that you will find. Uh, maybe not quite as interesting as cirrocumulus, but those are much more rare. Okay, let's drop down to image number three. I snapped this photo on my way home from southern New England, as a matter of fact. I went to visit my brother. He still lives in the the same house that uh, we grew up uh, at as uh, youngsters. And uh, this was up uh, near, uh, oh, I want to say Norton, Massachusetts. This is a supercharging station for a Tesla. And this was my first long cross-country uh, trip with uh, Tesla Model 3, and it was uh, successful. It was delightful. It was wonderful. Uh, but I needed a charge. I was uh, half full. You can see that the charge indicator there on my, uh, what looks like an iPad. It's not. It's it's actually the dashboard of the Model 3. But um, I left before sunrise, and by the time I got up to the supercharging station right across the street from a Dunkin' Donuts, the color was beautiful. It was a beautiful sunrise. It was cold. Uh, it was in the teens that morning, which, by the way, does interesting things to the batteries of a Tesla. Drains them a lot faster, but not so fast as to prevent a long cross-country journey like I did. So that is that image. Let's drop down to the next one. This is from the summit of Mount Washington, thanks to the Mount Washington Observatory a nonprofit uh, organization and uh, <clears throat> this is uh, 
an image that was snapped and you can see the little uh, logo in the lower uh, left hand corner this was the Twitter image they tweeted this is a, a type of cloud uh, which looks like a wave and uh, it's the Hemmels, uh, uh and I can't remember the second name it's such a uh, an unusual type of cloud I'll tell you what I'll do is I will research it and make sure that it is um, indicated uh, underneath that image from the summit of Mount Washington and that was a sunrise and that's just one way typically though you'll see two three four five six seven maybe even dozens of waves uh, all in a, a parade or a symphony. Uh, again, look for that, weatherjazz.com, episode 105. It's the fourth image down. I will tag it with the type of cloud. Next image, number five, one of my favorite. Uh, this was my view from Burke Mountain, Vermont, or from uh, Lin Linden State College in northeast of Vermont, Lindenville. And by the way, the college has been renamed in the last year or so. It's now Northern Vermont University at Linden. And uh, this was actually uh, my dorm room view looking towards Burke Mountain. And that's the full moon rising. And uh, the uh, beautiful pink hue as the sun was setting with uh, the snow-packed mountains. Uh, Burke Mountain, by the way, is a ski area, northeast Vermont. Oh, it's probably 10, 15 minutes away from the campus college. And uh, one of our hangouts as we went to college uh, it's a meteorology college. They have a wonderful meteorology program. But if you can imagine for a moment, this was my view from my dorm room. Do you think I could study looking at something like that? And the answer was no. And that's why I went to the library a lot, because I would simply stare out my window and just daydream. Just look at that. I had my wife, uh, who is a painter, paint me a picture uh, of that um, and uh, came out absolutely stunning so I'm glad I have that too okay last picture and uh, this one comes from my brother in New Bedford Massachusetts uh, he got home from work uh, and I think it was a Friday night and he just happened to get there just as the sun was setting and uh, you can see a simply stunning sunset there I always love it when he does that uh, because again this was the house that we grew up in uh, my brother's two years younger so uh, we're pretty close in age and uh, we went through a lot together and enjoyed each other's company and did a lot of weather observation from that porch boy we've seen a lot of weather there sunrises sunsets uh, severe thunderstorms blizzards all kinds of crazy things but uh, that's one of the prettier pictures and uh, it just, uh, well, it just brings me a source of joy every time he sends me one of these uh, images uh, such as that. I also have in my hands a letter I'm going to read you coming up in just a little bit. But before I do that, before I read you this letter and to whom it's addressed, it's addressed to Jack Borden. Jack Borden is the WBZ reporter that started for Spacious Skies. It's a nonprofit group that wants you to be aware of the sky, just simply to, to appreciate it. Uh, and it's, it's a real big passion of his. In fact, if you want to go back to season one, 
and I've reposted it in season two on episodes number 93 and 94, I believe. So right here, Weather Jazz season, this season, just go back a couple episodes to 93, 94, and you will hear the interview that I did with Jack Borden uh, and his passion to get people to look at the sky. It's really, really cool. But he sent me a letter that was once written to him back in 1993 by a junior uh, high schooler, a junior in high school, in Needham, Massachusetts, which is just west of Boston. So here is that letter. Dear Jack Borden, my name is Katie, and I'm a junior at Needham High School. The other day, I was in college in Career Center, and I was talking to my college counselor, Mr. Dorney. He was asking me about my previous school experiences and what the middle school and elementary schools were like for me. And I wanted you to know that my one vivid memory of my growing up years was your SKY program. The SKY program touched me in a way that I can't express to other people. It made me appreciate the world around me, and I saw beauty in a lot of things I never would have noticed before if not for your program. It was something I always looked forward to about going to school. And when observing the sky, I became imaginative and I learned to really be in touch with my feelings. And I still have some of the poems and writings that I created during the program. So I guess the reason for my letter is to commend you and thank you for your creation of the sky program. I hope you continue to touch people the way I was touched. Thank you again. Sincerely, Katie. And that's just one of so many responses of Jack Borden's effort to get people to look at the sky. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday, look up at the sky and take time. Take time to just look and dream and be inspired. You'd be surprised just how easy it is to be inspired by just simply looking up at the beauty of the sky. And also, don't forget, go back to uh, episodes number 93 and 94 and check out my interview with Jack Borden from a number of years ago as we talked about uh, what got him going with uh, creating for spacious skies. Have a wonderful, wonderful Monday. Stay well, stay warm, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Weather Jazz.